Well, when I was in meditation, it was a very interesting process. And all that it covered was one little statement. What is your life purpose? And that was something that I was asked when I was about nine, ten years old. I was at elementary, not elementary school. I was in, uh, well, yeah, I was in elementary school. And my teacher asked me one day, what is your purpose in life? What do you think your purpose in life is? And that started me off on a great quest of this purpose in life. And I didn't know if I had a real purpose in life because I knew she was asking me, what is my purpose in life in the world? What am I going to become? What am I searching to fulfill? And it was all about the world. And I really hadn't been thinking about the world. I had been thinking all the time since I was a child and consciously aware of myself about God and about service and about loving. But I knew she was asking me about what is my purpose in the world because that's what our discussion in English class had been. So I started on a great quest to see if I could find my purpose, my purpose in life. And when I heard her say it, that's how I interpreted it. It was about my life in the world. Well, I looked and I started looking to see, well, what kind of career do I want to be involved in? What kind of relationship do I want? Do I want children? I just tried to begin to find my purpose in my life. What was, what was I here to fulfill? What was I going to do to make myself happy? And how was I going to move in the world and through the world in that fulfillment? So I looked around and I looked around and I talked to a lot of different people. And that's what I did. I used to bug people like crazy. If a minister at a church or a priest at the Catholic church or a rabbi at the synagogue, depending upon where I went that week, said something during their sharing at, at, at the service that I didn't understand, I'd go ask them about it. And I got to be known as the little pest because I was always going up and asking questions that they didn't want to have to answer or they didn't know the answer to. At the synagogue one time, the rabbi was talking about the unspoken name of God. And he went on and on, and he used that phrase a few times. And I liked that. That was very fascinating to me because I knew inside that that's what I was looking for. And he put words on it that I could truly identify and, and speak about it in a way that I hadn't been able to speak before. But at the same time, I didn't really know what this unspoken name was. And I thought, well, wow, if he's speaking about it, he knows about it. So I went back and I pestered him about the unspoken name of God. And it's so funny because he got to the point that he would see me walking, <laughs> walking down the hallway or walking down the aisle in, in, in temple. And he would see me walking towards him and he had <laughs> tried to get busy somehow or try to get somebody else's attention and start talking so that Maybe I would get tired and go on. So I asked him about the unspoken name, 
And he said, you know, you, you've just got to understand, you know, we're sharing things to inspire people and to give them direction and to give them focus towards God and towards spirit and towards a healthy life in that way. And you don't have to put spiritual terminology and have understanding of every word that is spoken here. And I said, well, I don't want to understand every word, but I want to understand this because that's important to me. It stirred something in me, and I need to understand that. Well, this whole thing of starting this quest about what is my purpose in life did just the same thing. When she said that, it was like, oh, my God, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I've never given myself any any experience of searching for that. So I started going out and asking people about their purpose in life. And it was very interesting as I was asking the adults. When I would ask adults, they would say, well, I thought my purpose in life was. And that's how my, almost how every one of them started. Well, my purpose in life was, but now it's it's changed into this. And I, and I can tell it's still not what I really am here to do, but I'm I'm searching for it still. And I thought, wow, I'm 10 years old, and they're 40, 50 years old, and they're still looking for the answer to this question I'm asking them right now. And they thought they had a purpose, and then it changed, it sounds like, and they thought they were fulfilling that purpose, and now they realize that purpose isn't for them either, and they're trying to find what it is. And I started then going back and asking some of the people, not all of them. I'm sure if, if they saw me walking back with the same question again. <laughs> I can remember my brother's eyes would just glaze over. It was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but I went back and I asked him, I said, so you are looking for your purpose in life in the world. So does that mean that your purpose in life is in a person out there or something that you have to fulfill out there? Well, a number of people said, yeah, you know, if I get this book written, I will have fulfilled my purpose. I know that's my purpose in life. Yeah, I'm married and I have children and I have this job I do, but I'm supposed to write this book or I'm supposed to help heal people or I'm here to do this, or I'm here to do that, become a great artist, to become a great singer, but somehow I just haven't been able to fulfill my purpose yet, and all these other things are getting in the way. And that was another statement that I thought was really interesting. All these other things are getting in the way of me fulfilling my purpose. And I thought to myself, am I going to let that happen? Am I going to let the world and the things of this world get in the way of me fulfilling me. And so I stopped asking everybody else, and I started to ask myself these questions. And I said, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And then one day while I was in prayer, because I didn't know the term meditation at the time, but I prayed every day, and I was in prayer, and I thought, you know what? I haven't asked God. Of all the places I could have gone to first 
and ask that question. I haven't even asked God. I, I got the question out here. I thought it was about the world out here. So I thought you all had the answer for me. So I decided I'll go in and I'll start praying about what is my purpose. And the way I would pray and the way I would talk with God is I would pester him, just like I pestered people. And listen, if you want God to give you the attention and to answer your questions, pester him. (laughs) He'll finally answer it. I know that for a fact because... I didn't I didn't just ask God and if he didn't answer then I'd say oh I give up. I would do it again and I would do it again and I would do it again. I mean I was very very insistent on getting something even if God just says not important. But at least it was an answer. So I would do things for 30 days, 60 days, even 90 days. Usually within 3 months I would get the answer. And when God was really smart in that moment, he'd answer me right away. (laughs) But sometimes it didn't happen that way. And in this case, it didn't happen that way. What is my purpose in life, Lord? Please tell me what my purpose in life is. Hello, hello. I'd like to know my purpose in life. You know, and that became my mantra. I said that over and over in a prayer, in a question, in pursuit, all the time. I mean, it filled my day, it filled my mind, it filled my vocabulary of words being spoken inwardly and even outwardly sometimes. And then one day it came. And God said, what is your purpose? Do you have a purpose? I know the purpose, but can you find it? And I said, don't give me a riddle and don't give me a poem. (laughs) Because sometimes it would be. I'd say, please tell me what my purpose is. And he began to unfold this whole storyline. He said, what your purpose is, is loving. You are a soul. You are one in all, our soul. And your purpose as soul is loving. I created you as a soul to love me and for me to be able to love you. I live and I express myself through the movement of loving, of giving and receiving that loving. If I did not have you to love, I would not exist because I would have no place to put myself into action and expression. So I created you that I could love you and that you can love me back. That is your purpose in life. And I said, but my teacher wants to know what my purpose in life is. Like, am I going to be an artist? Am I going to be a minister? What am I going to be? And God says, don't you get it? You're to be loving. Whatever you do in the world has nothing to do with your purpose. What you do in the world is for the experience of the soul to learn more about the world 
and the elements of of existence in the world. But that's not your purpose. You in the physical form isn't even your purpose. So go and just be in the world and do what comes forward for you to do. And learn from it, grow from it, participate with it, and share in it. And invest your energy into it so you fulfill whatever that is in front of you and then move on to what's next and move on to what's next. But if you want to pursue your purpose, love it all because you are loving. And the only way that you're going to know the fulfillment of yourself is to be loving with me, me be loving with you, and you love me in everything that you do. For I am in everything, he said. I am in everyone. So find me in everything and in everyone in your life and love me there. And that will fulfill you and your purpose. And so I began doing just that. I began to look and see how could I begin to just love everyone and everything in my life. And you know what I learned? In order for me to do that, I had to love myself first. And that was a big one. Because I didn't think I really felt loving for myself at that time. I liked myself sometimes. I appreciated myself. But I had a lot of unworthiness issues. I had a lot of stuff running inside of myself that the world had put on me and that I was just running quite a bit. And so I realized in order for me to live the fulfillment of my purpose in life, which was to be loving with everyone and everything, that I first had to get in touch with what that loving really was. I knew some of the movement of loving between me and God, but I realized that I was always looking for loving up there. And I was always waiting for God to love me so that I could feel loved and feel that loving inside myself. And God loved me. And I knew that from a very early age, and I could look up and see God and know God and be in that movement of loving with God. But now I realized in order for me to do that out here, I had to do something a little bit different. And I had to go in and really connect with my own loving, not with God's loving, but with the loving of the God that dwells here in my soul. And I realized as I began to look at that and realize that in order for me to express my loving with others, I had to love myself I had to look inside and realize that I had things standing between me and myself, between me and my own loving that resides here, my fear, my anger, my judgments. And I was really shocked. I thought I was a pretty spiritual little kid. But I realized I was living a lot of what everybody else in the world was living. Judgments, fears, angers. All this that separates us from our loving and separates us from God. 
And so I had to begin to work on those things that were causing separation. And that wasn't easy. Go to the library and see if you can find a book on that. Walk up to your parents and ask them, now what do I do about these things that separate me from God that I see inside and I can feel it? And every time I try to approach the loving inside of myself, there's a barrier there. There's something that gets in the way and it starts talking to me and it stops me in my tracks and I can't go into the loving. What do I do about that, Mom? Well, I did it. I did it. And I went to a Methodist church and I got an answer from a minister there. Not the answer, but I got an answer. Everybody else looked at me and like, what? What What are you talking about? Hello? <laughs> what? <laughs> the rabbi was cute. He just... He just said, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> and that's all he said. <laughs> that's all he said. And, it, and, it, and I left there and I thought, I felt, I felt for a minute like, wow, he's really wise. He knows that's a really good question. Nobody else said that. But very shortly as I was walking home, I realized, well, wait a minute. He didn't give me an answer. <laughs> so... I didn't know if he knew or not. But I asked this Methodist minister at this church that question. And he looked at me and he said, that is the ultimate question. And we're all looking for that answer. And we each find it in our own way if we really do the search. But very few people do the search. Now you're on a search to find out how to get past those barriers inside yourself. He said, I'm still working on that myself, and I've worked on it for years. He said, at the seminary, they talked about it, and we began working on it some, but I found that most of the teachers that I studied under were doing book knowledge, and that is not going to give you the answer. And he honestly said, I am still searching for that answer. And I don't know when I'll find the answer. He said, if you want, come back whenever you want to, and let's sit down and talk. And I'll be glad to hear what it is you're discovering, and I'll share with you what I've discovered. And he said, I'll give you a key that I found for myself. It may not work for you. But he said, when I sit down in prayer and I go inside to be with God and I find that there are things standing in my way called my anger or my fear, I just tell them, I love you and I love God more. <laughs> and that was the key. That was the key. That started me on my quest inside to clear all those things inside myself that stood between me and God. I just walked up to him, and I didn't fight him. I didn't fight those things I was angry at. 
I didn't try to push things away. I just walked up to it and I said, you know what? I love you. But I love God more and I'm going to go to God. Well, that's when I began to learn about forgiveness. Because some of those things I would forgive. I mean, I would I would say I love you, but the loving wasn't enough. I had placed a judgment on somebody or on something out in the world or in myself. And I realized I needed to do a different action besides just love it to get it to step aside. And that's when I began to do forgiveness. And so if it wouldn't step aside, I would just say to it, you know, I love you and I forgive you. I forgive you and I forgive myself for giving you power over me. And I forgive myself for accepting you into my existence, into my life, into my way of being. And I love you and I forgive you. And just like I said earlier, I would pester God over and over and over and I would pester different people over and over and over to try to get the answer. Well, I found that I had to do the same thing with these things that stood between me and God. It would be great if you could say, I forgive you and I love you and go away. And they might have gone away for just a moment, but then they're right back. Have you ever noticed that in your life? You have to do it over and over and over and over and over and over until it's done. And then you do it more and more and more and more because when you think it's done, it's not. And so you have to pay attention because even when you think it's done, there's still subtleties to it. And it's hiding over in the corner going, he doesn't know I'm here. Look at this. I've really gotten away with something. And you have to pay attention and go, aha, yeah, I know you're there. I feel it. I see it. You're still between me and God at some level. So I love you and I forgive you (coughs) until it's done. But if you do it enough, if you do it every day, if you do it all the time, you're going to find out that all those things will dissolve. All those things will be gone. All those things that you thought were important or that you've held on to or that you've given your power away to, and that's often the case. And what is the power we give away? Our loving. Oh, my God. How much of our loving is invested in all these things that we've given our power, our loving to. But I know, I know through my own experience and witnessing now with other people who are doing this, that if you are patient and if you are persistent, you will clear all those things that stand between you and God and you can live in that divine flow of loving. And believe me, when something gets in the way, you'll know it because you become very sensitive when that flow isn't right. It's like being in a stream of water and it's just flowing beautifully. You can feel the fullness of the current. And then all of a sudden, a tree limb falls across part of the stream and the water current changes. 
and the water flow dies down a little bit. And if you're paying attention, you go, uh-oh, something's in the way. Got to go remove it. I want the full stream. I want all of the loving. I don't want to be in just a partial flow. And that's how most of us learn to live our lives very early on. And then we just accept that that's what life is. Living in a partial flow or even a damned up stream where there's no flow. Does that make sense to you? Do you want to satisfy yourselves with that? Do you want to settle for that? (coughs) I wouldn't. I didn't. And I would invite you not to settle for it either. It's not worth it. What is your purpose here in life? Your purpose as a soul, and that's all you are, these bodies are not you. These bodies are inhabited by the soul, and it gives it life. And that soul that is inhabiting your body is you. That is who you are. And that that you are is loving. You are the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. Fulfill yourself as that divine, living, loving essence. Live it daily. Live it every moment, every day, every breath. I remember around the age of 10, I heard that so clearly. Live one day at a time, one breath at a time. You are loving, be that loving. You are loving, fulfill that loving. You are loving, breathe that loving every moment of every day. One breath at a time, one day at a time. Fulfill yourself. And that's what I do the best I can is to ever move towards loving. Ever put God first. And the God that I'm talking about putting first is my own soul. That's where you first meet God is right here at this seat of the soul of you in this body. And then there's many other dynamic experiences of awakening to the God in everything and in everyone until finally you get to the fulfillment where you wake up in the fullness of God itself, the God of all creation, and you wake up into that and you are one in God. And that is for all of us to do. We are to wake up and know God fully. And that's what this pathway is about. That's what this meditation practice is about, is to wake up and know yourself as divine and to live that divinity and to wake up and know God fully and to live in God fully as much as you can. And believe me, as long as you got a body, that thing going to happen every moment of every day, every breath, every second. But you can do it a lot more than you could ever imagine. It's just a matter of what is your focus. Where are you putting your focus? Where are you holding your attention to? What's important to you? God has been important to me all my life. God is never not 
been a part of my day, a part of my thoughts, a part of my action. God has always been there. But I know that's not true for everyone. The world is very consuming. The world grabs a hold and pulls us down and does everything it can to drown us in its own nature. But I say, rise up. Rise up above all that is of this world and begin waking up to the truth of who you are and begin to fulfill that that you are, which is loving. This pathway is about awakening. We've said it over and over and over. Rumi said it over and over and over in his writing, in his poems, in his storytelling. Wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. Shakespeare said it. So many people of this pathway have said it. It is just a matter of going inside and waking up, of going inside and truly becoming aware, not just of your body, but of your soul, and of who you are as a living, loving, divine being, and begin to live that more every moment of every day. Years ago, I knew a gentleman who was rather famous in his own way with what he was doing in his life. When I met him, he was 80 years old. I knew him for 11 years. And during that 11 years, he began to walk this pathway. And he had been looking for this pathway of initiation, of sound and light, of soul liberation, all of his life, but could never find it. Until we met and we sat down and we began to talk. And he got initiated and he began doing the meditation. And when he took his last breath, I was there with him. We were in the hospital. And when he took that last breath and his soul had withdrawn from the body and collected all of its attention and awareness and essence, here is the seat of the soul. And he took his last breath and he withdrew. The Holy Spirit came in and in one fell swoop just cupped him up, picked him up, and just off it went. Just like that, and he was gone. And he went straight on up into the heart of God and stayed there. He didn't allow the world to pull him back down. He didn't allow the things that often we get attached to to distract him and get him caught back down here again. He kept focusing on God and there was nothing that was going to pull him back down here. And he was liberated. And he liberated himself because he meditated every day. He meditated holding his attention inward and upward here to the seat of the soul and beyond into God. He sat in meditation every day, chanting that sacred name to bring himself awake at these higher frequencies and higher levels of consciousness within himself. He meditated every day to pull his attention out of his body that was 
his soul entrapped in the physical and bring it back up here so that it could turn and start looking upward, inward and upward, rather than down and out and being caught up in the world. And he did that every day. And isn't that what dying the little death daily is? We sit down and we die daily. We sit down and do what we're going to do naturally at the moment of our last breath. But we do it consciously. We do it with awareness. And we do it with familiarity. It isn't a strange thing. We're not laying there in bed going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to die. Where am I going to go? What's going to happen? Oh my God, who am I really? Is there really a life after this? As an initiate, as one who has done the meditation and has come awake to all that and have conscious knowing of other realms and other places beyond this physical form, you go, okay, one more time. Close my eyes, go into meditation, speak the name of God, get into that river of loving, which is the grace, which is the Holy Spirit. Begin letting my soul withdraw to the seat of the soul and begin to move beyond it. And this time I know that I don't have to come back. And some of you who are initiates and who have done the meditation and who have traveled and journeyed in that way, you may have even gotten to a place in one of your journeys where all of a sudden it was so peaceful, so quiet, so wonderful. And in that moment you went, oh my God, I really don't have to go back. I really don't have to go back down there. I could just... Take my last breath right now and be gone. But then God goes, but not yet. <laughs> and you go, but please, come on, I'm here. <laughs> I may not get back here again. You better take me while you can. <laughs> I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> God calls you when God calls you. But it's nice to get to that place where you know, you know now that when you do take your last breath, you do not have to come back here. Not just come back here to this body, but you don't have to incarnate into this creation ever again. You are free of it. Boy, I'll tell you what, you get up out of that chair, you get out of that that meditation, and you enter the day differently. It's like, Wow. Okay, I I can do this. Okay, let's go finish this day. Let's go finish the next day. Let's go do the next week. There's a a different momentum, a different energy, a different expression about you then because you know you're living as a liberated soul and you're just waiting for that day when the soul finally is released and doesn't have to come back. And you can begin to let go then of all these attachments in the world. Well, let go of my puppy. I love you, but I'm not coming back for you again. And you let go of your children. You let go of your wife or your husband. You let go of your identity and all the degrees that you have and your money and your cars and all these things that you think are so important. You just detach. You appreciate them. You use them. You enjoy them. You share with them. You express with them. But you don't need them. And you're not going to come back for them 
when you leave this body and try to reattach and be in relationship with them again. Been there, done that. That's my statement. Been there, done that, not doing it again. And if you're fortunate enough, that'll be your statement too. And you'll look back down at this creation and go, been there, done that, mm, bye. <laughs> but if you're really smart, you won't even look down to do that. Because if you look down, things will pull you, things will attract you, things will tempt you back. And this pathway is about the liberation of the soul. It's about getting the soul out of here and not coming back. Liberation. And it's interesting. Brian and I are really here to help you understand how to take that last breath and to take it with full conscious knowing of who you are a soul and letting go of the body, detaching from the body and detaching from this physical world and this physical creation and all the elements of it. And when I say that, it's not just this physical body. It's our imagination. Oh, my God, if you could really see all that you've created in your imagination. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All the things just in that that will pull you back. And then in your emotions... And then in your mind, and every time it's getting bigger and bigger. Each of those realms are bigger than the other below it. And you can look back and just go, I'm free. Or you can just move up and just say, I'm coming, Lord. And when you say that, you're free. And no longer will you ever be attracted down here again. You know, this is just one stop on a journey. When we were in the Garden of Eden, God said, Oh, look, look, look at my garden. Look at all these trees. All of them are bearing fruit. And you can go and partake of all the fruits of my labor. All that I have created for you to enjoy and participate in. Go and eat of those trees, eat of those fruits, and then learn from them, experience them. But this one over here, mm, not so good. Kind of a sour, bitter fruit. Mm, I wouldn't do it. Well, we've been eating this, the bitter fruit for a long time. And some of us now have finally got sick enough of it, maybe even allergic to it, <laughs> that it's time now to put it down and go up and find that garden again and start eating of the sweet fruit that's there. This is the only creation in all of God's creation that is a place, an existence of separation from God. And when you leave this place of separation and enter back into the oneness in God and in God's creation, it's bliss. It's wonderful. It's loving. It's peaceful. It's joyful. It's creative. It's abundant. 
It's everything and everything that you could ever imagine and so, so much more. And you get to partake of all of that. You get to go and experience all of the other levels of God and partake of it and become one with it and fulfill your soul in loving in that. So you get to go and experience the fullness of peace, the fullness of grace, the fullness of service, the fullness of everything that is God. Just as you are here now to experience and to fulfill what your soul is here to fulfill. You are loving, and that is how you fulfill the soul, but you are also here to understand what it is to be separated from God and how to turn around and unite once again in God and not live in separation anymore. That's what this creation is. It's the world of reflection and separation. And the Lord of this creation, as long as that Lord can do it, will keep you separate. It needs to keep your soul separate from the truth because if you do leave here, and if we all left here, the Lord of this creation would be alone again. The Lord of this creation was alone before, and it drew us down here into the world of separation so that we would worship that aspect of God, not the fullness of God. The Lord of this creation is but a part of God. It's just one fruit that we could partake of to come to the knowing of God's creation and its fullness. You've eaten of it and eaten of it and eaten of it. It's time now to say done and leave it and go on and worship God in its fullness in the realms of spirit, not in the realms of separation and physical matter. It's interesting. Paul said in the Bible, as did John, that if we are to worship God in the fullness, we have to go into spirit to worship God because God is spirit. And if you want to worship God, you must go into spirit. That's what we're doing. When we go into meditation every day and we hold our attention inward and upward to the seat of the soul, we are going to that place where spirit resides in this creation and within ourselves. And we are worshiping God in spirit. Sit there and chant that sacred name and love God. Sit there and chant that sacred name and let God love you and be worshiping God in spirit. And believe me, that's just the beginning of the journey because then the soul can travel into the fullness of spirit, leave this creation, leave this physical reality, this material world and creation and enter into the realms of soul and spirit and worship God in its fullness and join into God fully and know it and live it and be it and then come back here, take up the body, go do the day, knowing who you really are in God. 
and knowing that one day you're going to be able to take that journey one more time and not ever have to come back down here and live in the separation. Brian and I are here to help you in this world as best we can and give you the tools in this world to live in this world with grace and ease as best you can. We've given you those tools. Meditation, the hue, the sacred name, LAF, loving, accepting, and forgiving, taking responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings, your actions and your reactions. That's what we have to give you. And the greatest thing of that is the initiation with the sacred name. If you'll take those up and put them into practice, you're going to find that's all you need to fulfill yourself in this world and to fulfill yourself fully. There is no magic potion, no amulet. There is a sacred word, which is the name of God, but it doesn't create magic. It doesn't correct everything overnight. But we can give you those tools, and we have. Then it's up to you to just put them into practice. What we're here to do is to inspire you, to give you direction, to give you understanding and clarity with your meditation, with your inner experience, with your life experience, and to help you to get to that place where when you do take that last breath, you're ready to do it. And you know what to do. You know where to look. You know what to speak. And you know how to enter into that river of loving and just keep going. I've witnessed it a number of times. And Brian now has witnessed it as well. When you see the grace of the Holy Spirit come in and lift somebody up out of their body. Oh my God. What an amazing experience. When the gentleman died physically in the hospital, and I watched his soul lifted up, within 15 seconds, a nurse came running in the door. Oh, my God, get away, get away, let me get over here. She had to check and see what was wrong. And she checked him out, and he he had passed, he had died. And she's still checking and doing all this stuff, and... Finally, she turned around and she said, oh, my God, what just happened in here? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I think you know. <laughs> and I, you know, kind of stupidly, I said, he died. <laughs> yeah. And she said, I, well, I know that. But what just happened in here? And I go, well, you know, he died. He left his body. And she she turned and she left. And she didn't say anything else. She just left. And then the doctor came in and another couple of nurses came in and then they left. And then maybe 25, 30 minutes later, they all came in. Oh. Some of these things are very precious to me. 
And the, <laughs> the, the nurse who asked that question the first time, she turned to me and she said, could you please tell us what happened here? And so I said, well, I'll explain it to you, but you probably won't understand it. I said, myself and this gentleman, we practice a particular form of meditation. And in that meditation, we really connect with the movement of loving of God, knowing that at the time of death, that that loving is going to carry us on back into God and take us out of this creation and unite us back into the fullness. Well, that didn't answer it for him. <laughs> and so I, I asked him, I said, well, what is it you really want to know? And they said, why, where did he go? <laughs> for the first time, we really know he left. We know he left. Where did he go? How did that happen? And I said, well, I just gave you the explanation, but I don't think you understood it. I'll just say that the Holy Spirit came in and lifted him because of his loving for the Holy Spirit, and he's not here anymore. And the doctor said, thank you. That gives me a lot to think about. And they left. <laughs> and that was it. They never came back and asked any more questions. They, they were shocked. They were shocked, and they just needed to have understanding of something. Because they, I mean, how many times have they been around somebody who died? But, oh, my God, she came running in. She knew something had happened in that room in that moment. And she wanted to know what happened. So that's what this journey is about. We like to go around and mystify doctors and <laughs> <laughs> confuse the nurses and 